We've discovered the secret of the ooze here on Red Pages Podcast. It is the 7th of July in the year 2016. This is Red Pages Podcast episode 77, which means that it's a lucky episode, right? Seven's a lucky number. Yep. Two sevens. Just think, if you multiply us uh, out a whole bunch, we'll have won a jackpot with our episode number. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure. About it right I, I, don't, I, I don't know enough to dispute that, so I'll go with, okay. Uh, I'm Justin. I'm Paul. I'm Ryan. And we have with us, uh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, we have with us a special guest. Uh, off to a uh, Savvy listeners may notice that we are missing a person. Yeah, it's because we killed Gord. Yes. He was sacrificed to the Murlocs that live beneath Puget Sound. They require at least one a year. Yeah. It's a whole ritual thing. The aqueduct closes down. It's, it's a nightmare. This city really needs to be better about institutionalizing. What are you going to do? You know, Seattle, keep it weird, am I right? Yeah, definitely. Wait, it's not Austin. Uh, is is Keep Seattle Weird a thing? No, but it's a thing for like seven no. different major cities in this yeah, country. Portland, I think Portland, right? like, Wait, really? Portland's got it, right? Yeah. And then yeah. Austin, Texas has it. Yep. I mean, how much of my tax dollars are going towards keeping various municipalities weird is kind of what I want to know. Mm. Assuming I keep my taxes, which I don't. <laughs> don't. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, so Gord is uh, Gord is not here because he is currently on location at Bit Summit uh, in Japan, reporting on the all of the indie games that are being shown at Bit Summit in Japan. So presumably next episode he'll be back uh, if the Murlocs let him go, and they will uh, you know he'll they'll, they'll send him along with a bunch of cool games they have seen and played and talked about. And maybe if he we're lucky, he'll record some developer interviews while he's there. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I can't monitor him when he's in Japan. He's off the grid. Yep. Right. That's because Japan isn't even a real place. So. No, it's just a mental construct. Like he's in the dreamscape it's right a, now. Yeah, it's a collective delusion. Right. It's one of the. It's it's part of the Yugian shared unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Ah, so. Ryan is a is a musician. We're gonna we're gonna talk to him in a little bit about making beeps and boops for for video games and other things as well, presumably. But uh, first, we got our our segments to go through. So, as always, the first segment is the haps. Guys, what are the haps? What's going on? What have you been up to? Who wants to start? Who has an especially interesting thing that they've done lately that is worth sharing with uh... our audience? Well, I don't know about you guys. Um, I went up to Vancouver recently, and I definitely... I'm not one of those people who plans for leaving this country uh, if Trump wins, but I could see living there because everybody was super friendly, and I had... It's the, it's the one city where I've had like more amazing interactions with just the random populace who I don't know than anywhere else like here in america you smile at somebody and they kind of like look away from you like what do you want freak but like up there um i got my first photo bomb 
like uh-huh. an attractive like lumberjack looking dude like burst into a selfie I was taking with a group that I was there with so that was great um, we were walking along the waterfront and it was like nighttime it was like you know so no one was really around it was just me and my group that I went up there with and there's one guy like way up on this kind of like overhang like a couple floors up and he's by himself and we just hear him he has a paper airplane we hear him go I believe I can fly and then like throw it and it crashed immediately and it was incredible because you could just tell like he was really trying to imbue this like paper construct with some sort of like magic and essence through like the power of song and uh, I hear it, that that works it, well, it I've didn't, seen a bunch of Disney movies work. where that works <laughs> I've been led to believe through popular media that that works um, as a professional musician I can absolutely assure you that it doesn't at all, um, <laughs> art, art has no power to affect <laughs> the world around it. Apparently. Right. So bold stance is being taken. Okay. Here, you heard it here first. Um, Hot takes. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's art, that. Art is meaningless. Is what I've heard. Yeah. That, uh, that's and, what Bojack Horseman taught me. <laughs> that yeah. show, man. I um, I dipped into that because I was like, okay, I'll watch. I'll watch an original Netflix, like an animated, whatever. I'm down with that. Why? I didn't give them permission to make me feel. Like, what's that about? Like, that's not in like the Netflix like user agreement anywhere that I'm going to be affected emotionally, like by cartoons. Like, what's that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the only one that's legally allowed to do that is uh, Miyazaki, right? Right. Maybe may Pixar, but that's a little different because they're not cartoons; they're uh, 3D animated motion experiences. The trailer for Overwatch made me feel a lot of stuff and I don't know why because there's nothing to feel there mm-hmm. except for like look at all these cool action figures that I could bang together like in a visual construct but like that it that so maybe I'm just like maybe my system is like out of whack and I just feel where I'm not supposed to feel because I'm I'm not one of you I'm not like the rest of you I don't belong here <laughs> Okay. You guys have the power to solve that in two hours. Like, am I am I getting too deep? Because okay, well, uh, I personally I feel with my hands. So if if that's not what you uh, <laughs> if that's not what's what's going on with you, you may want to like see a doctor about that. Yeah, I don't I don't have phalanges to start, so that's a problem. Mm. Hmm. Right. You know, it's fine. I, it's I not used to feel with my hands. Until you got them amputated. Yeah, I, I used to feel with my hands, and then they kind of mutate into, like, these weird tentacle appendages, and so that's all I feel with now, and that's, you know, it's this, a life. This podcast is off to a great start. I could already tell. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, uh, there's, there's no one left. So, I, uh, I have not done anything super exciting this week, mostly because the exciting thing that I'm going to be doing is in two days two or three days where uh i'm going to be going to disneyland so next episode i'll have something really exciting to contribute here i'm sure oh man have you ever been before i've been yeah i've been when i was really little and then i'll but and then when i so like maybe when i was like three and then maybe again when i was like seven but other than that we would always go to disney world because florida is way closer to pennsylvania than California. Yeah, that's the one I used to hit up as a kid, too. Yeah. I like Disneyland better than Disney World, even though Disney World is way bigger and has more stuff in it, because Disneyland has 
the ride experiences that I like more, on average. Such as? Uh, I like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which was viciously removed from Disney World for the Winnie the Pooh ride. Wait, are you serious? I haven't been there since I was, like, a kid. Yeah, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is now a California-only event. And the, oh, that is a tragedy. The Winnie the Pooh ride is is also really good. Like, I'm not going to knock that Winnie the Pooh ride, but it's not Mr. Toad. Nothing's ever going to be Mr. Toad. Right. Even though that's a reference that literally nobody gets anymore. Yeah, no anymore. one's seen that. I mean, it's like Splash Mountain being based on Song of the South, right? <laughs> yeah, like, well, crap. We built this whole mechanical thing. Like, we can't take it down because racism. Let's just try and, like, pray that they don't know what this is. Right. I like uh, the Matterhorn, which is not in Florida. Ooh, yeah, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's a it's a giant Matterhorn mountain with a yeti, and you go around, cars fly around it, and the yeti takes swipes at you. This is no longer the case, but for maybe like a good decade, the tiki rooms were different between Florida and California. I had a really good time in the tiki room, if I remember. I had a better time in the waiting line, I think, than I did being oh, in the with tiki the, room. Oh, with the two, like, lawyer birds that... Yeah, there was these two little like, parrots. Yeah. These, yeah, these tikis, and they... Well, for us, they weren't lawyers. They were, um... When I went, maybe they changed up the dialogue. They just, like, talk smack the entire time. Like, they just... Okay, so that... Yeah, that's a difference. So, the, the tiki room was the same in both parks. And then, I don't know, maybe, like, 2003... The one in Florida got revamped to be the Tiki Room under new management, which started out as a regular Tiki Room, but then it was interrupted by the new owners, who were Zazu from The Lion King and Iago from Aladdin, and they just completely derailed the show and did their own thing for the rest of it, and it was fine, but... That sounds kind of incredible, like, I'm Yeah, no, I'm it was good, down. it was good, but it wasn't what you go to the Tiki Room to see, how much Gilbert Gottfried would you say there was? Like, there was percentage? a lot. He got into a fight with an ancient tiki goddess who set him on fire. That's incredible. Yeah. The problem with this is not that it was bad. It was that it replaced the original tiki room. And I believe they have since reverted it. But it took them like a decade to do that. If it had been like, like what they do for the Haunted Mansion, which is um, from like October through December, they shut down the Haunted Mansion for like a month maybe or like three weeks or whatever and then reopen it and it is completely redone as a nightmare before christmas ride for those couple of months and then the rest of the year it's just the normal haunted mansion if they did that and offered both regularly that would be good but maybe it's too much work i don't know that sounds right i i need to go back i've always wanted to go i've never been to disneyland or disney world or any kind of super super major theme park as an adult we used to go, my family, to Disney World like every other every other year. Mm-hmm. And my only major memories, even though I know I had an awesome time, are getting in my stupid like autograph book, like getting all four Ninja Turtles signatures. <laughs> uh, Ninja Turtles aren't even Disney characters. I know, but they dude, they were there and they were bringing it. <laughs> what? Uh, and they all had I'm down. They all had stamps because you know you, despite being able to wield like size and like a bow staff, right. And, Right. You know, program robotic foot soldiers and stuff like pen. That's a bit dexterous, so they just had stamps. And then um, I remember me and my dad riding Space Mountain, uh, and because I'm me, Space Mountain broke down while we were on it. And okay. if you don't know what Space Mountain is, listeners, it's just a roller coaster in the dark. 
with like stars and stuff. It's and so not bro- even it's not even a unique roller coaster either. It's like the generic wild mouse roller coaster that was at every county fair. Yeah, pretty much. It's that except just in a dome, like in the dark, with like kind of stars like on the walls. And it broke down while we were going around like a hairpin, so we were sideways, and then everything just kind of stopped, and we just chilled there for a while until like people came to like release us from this like technological prison. Uh, they had to turn all the lights on so we get to see the inside of everything, and it's just, uh, I think that's when I stopped believing. <laughs> I, if I trace it back, I think that's that's where the child in me died. But it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm getting along great. Space Mountain is currently uh, under new management at Disneyland. <laughs> it's been replaced by Shit, Hyperspace right. Mountain, which adds a bunch of Star Wars stuff to it. Oh, I thought you were just going to oh, okay. like, Sazu and Iago took it over. And it's got a bunch <laughs> oh, of that would be even better. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be super down if they just kept like slowly like increasing like their weird like avian empire like over Disneyland and just putting their theme on things where it doesn't belong. I would I'd kind of be into it. So, hmm, you probably were a little too late to get to see like if you went to Disney World bunch the uh, extraterrestrial encounter thing. Is that the thing? You all sit in like a kind of circular room and you get this sort of like show put on for you and then there's an alien that gets like teleported in or something and yes, stalks you. Yes, that's what that, that is. I did get to do that and okay. the guy behind me um, either it was simulated that the guy behind me got eaten or, you know, I mean you sign a waiver I think, right? Back then <laughs> when you when you go to Disney World like yeah. no, for that, the sake that, of the illusion that guy is you dead bust now. your life on the line. Okay, well anyway, whatever, it was great. Was, yeah. Is the point. Yeah, okay. That that was a really cool thing that does not exist anymore because it was too scary. Uh, but they replaced it with uh, the same thing, only it was Stitch from Lilo and Stitch that got are teleported you, in. And he did the did. same sort of stuff, except for he didn't eat a dude. <laughs> I can't... Uh, you can't... How do you... What does he do? Just, like, get really close up behind you and, like, whisper to your ear, like, I'm not a family. Yeah, I don't know. I but, don't understand how this ride is structured when so, you... <laughs> hmm. He, like, runs around, they're skittering on the seats, and uh, the Jumba alien, like, makes jokes and tries to catch him. That would, I mean, that would be like if they went to go make Prometheus 2, which they already shouldn't do that for that various reasons, but, like, almost right, right. like, they're working on it, but, like, instead of, like, oh, well, Xenomorph isn't really, like, pulling well with audiences, he's too scary, but else an alien, right? Like, screw it. Let's just... You know, it's fine. Alien's an alien. Like, you can't... Paul, you've, you've probably been to Disneyland more recently than either of us, right? Or Disney World. I, I have been to Disney World, but uh, I can tell you that I, I don't... I didn't get to do anything fun at Disney World. I thought you got to ride Space Mountain like 20 <laughs> times. No, 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 no. We got to uh, go on the uh, the Star Wars uh, oh, adventure I, yeah, thing. The, the... Like, twice. Yeah. And and that that's literally the only thing I was allowed to do at uh, Disney World that wasn't eaten work. So what? what is the coolest behind-the-scenes thing that you saw while you were there working? Uh, they have almost... They have actually zero safeguards to uh, disallow people who aren't supposed to be behind the scenes behind the scenes. You can literally walk through a gate. Maybe there's a chain there. Maybe there's not. It's just a doorway. You can, you can, anyone can do this. And if you just... Look like you should be there. No one will say a word to you. So, oh man, when I was at Universal for Emily's birthday a couple weeks ago, 
I got I went behind the scenes at the Harry Potter ride because uh, my bag, which is an entirely normal sized backpack, like the type of backpack you'd see a kid taking his stuff to school in, uh, did not fit in the very very minuscule lockers that they provide for you if you, because you can't take your bag on the ride. So they were like, "All right, just follow us," and they led me through some like crazy creepy back doors at Hogwarts, and suddenly I was in an office. <laughs> like, oh god like a cube farm <laughs> which is apparently what most of hogwarts is and they were just like leave your bag here and find us when you're done and we'll take you back and i that was i was really i was really unhappy that there were just cubicles in hogwarts number one but they had a poster <laughs> on the wall that was like make sure to smile and provide the guests with a magical experience and be in costume and make sure and uh i thought that i was like this is some really creepy like it's not propaganda because it is literally like right. here's what you need to do to work but it it looked a lot like a propaganda poster <laughs> oh man you should have taken a picture man i ah man this, the thing that i really wish i had taken a picture of was that stupid dragon that the ride broke down while i was hanging over oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah is, it's uh, <sighs> there's no faster way to kill the magic at any major theme park than when you're on a ride and it just stops being a ride well because i like, wasn't I wasn't sure if the ride, like, breaking down was part of the ride or not. Because I had been on the one in Florida, and I was like, I think I remember a part where the ride breaks down, and then Harry does a spell and it makes everything work again. But okay. it was broken down for, like, three or four minutes, and I figured that, that that probably was just wrong. That feels like that's asking a lot, the participants. Yeah, also Harry did cast a spell to make it work again, so... <laughs> Some guy with keys on his belt and smoking a cigarette came out and messed with the fuse box. Yeah, probably. Which hanging over that dragon was a really, really hot experience. Like that <laughs> thing was just—it wasn't breathing fire, but it was belching steam. And uh, I was like, "Hmm, this could get really uncomfortable." Oh, you know what? I thought. Okay, I have I have three Disney World memories. I forgot this. Breaking down the Space Mountain. There's meeting all four Ninja Turtles and having the best day of my life. And then there's this time when I was like, I was probably like seven. And I had, my parents got me a little cup of what were probably like $15 fries because Disney World. And I was eating them, and my mom was like, okay, hurry up with those because your sister is, who was younger than me, is like wigging out and wants to go on this ride, so we, we need to finish this up. And me being a kid, I just thought she meant like literally get rid of those like right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I flung them like out of the cup, and they slid across the ground and went entirely under this table where a family was just eating and a I don't think a flock is an appropriate word because it was I've never seen a flock of seagulls like this it was like a horde, it was like in cartoons where insects can become like a giant like manifold like fist and like crush cars and stuff um, it was like that, this, this just horde of birds descended on this table um, and when they left the family wasn't there anymore so I, <laughs> I assume they're, they're part of that flock now um, it would be funnier. I, the the way that I thought this story was going was uh, that you threw the fr- the fries, and the band of flock of seagulls descended on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next thing you see, like that family is like playing like you know keyboard and like glockenspiel and stuff. Synth synth guitar, yeah. Yeah, cowbell. Like, well, this is how they recruit. Like, it's it's always been their way. Just let it happen. So which is your favorite of the four Ninja Turtles, then? Oh, like Donatello, for sure. Is it because he does machines? He does machines. I mean, what's not to get? 
He's the he's the only role model in that group. Okay, Raphael's a hothead. Like, what's he got to teach kids? Like, not how to manage your anger. Uh, Michelangelo's irresponsible, and Leonardo's not. I mean, he's supposed to be the leader, but like, what's name one moment in that series when he ever like makes a very supreme like leadership decision that like gets them out of danger? I'm I'm gonna confess that my like <laughs> literacy with Ninja Turtles is really low. Right, so you can't do it. I, uh, I, I like I'm familiar listen, with listen, the first listen. issue of the Ninja Turtles comic where they tell Splinter to commit seppuku. Uh, yeah, all I all I know about Ninja Turtles is the uh, arcade games. In which I only played Leonardo, and he did a lot of leadership there. <sighs> okay, I actually did play through the entire. The this is this is for the game section, but I did play through the entire Ninja Turtles arcade game uh, during E3 at an event. Oh, the new um, platinum one? No, the like original Konami side-scrolling beat 'em up. Like, it, oh. did, did I actually get to play on an arcade cabinet? Yeah, we had a full set of people. Sick. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I'm familiar with the first issue of Ninja Turtles, and uh, where it gets really, really dark. Yeah, and the really, really good Ninja Turtles crossover movie where you get like the four different eras of Ninja Turtles teaming up across weird dimensional rifts. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, I don't know anything about that, but I. Uh, oh man. I am furiously. Googling for that, like, right the second. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's called um, Turtles Forever. It came out in 2009. It was made by four kids, which is... Whoa! Um, okay. The, the premise is that, like, the, the current, or I guess then-current Ninja Turtles are fighting Splinter. Uh, and they... They discuss... Like, there's a dimensional rift that opens to the 1987 Ninja Turtles series, and they team up with themselves, but they don't take their 87 counterparts seriously because those turtles are super goofy, and the modern (laughs) turtles are, like, gritty and... Are, like, hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. So they... Eventually, they put aside their differences and team up against the Confederation of Shredders, which I think they incorporate, like, the 2013 Turtles and Shredder at some point... And just as things look dire, they get sent back into the comic books, which are the grittiest and the darkest. And Boy, this really, this whole thing really takes a turn, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, it turns out that that Shredder is just the grittiest, darkest, and willing to kill all the other Shredders if they stand in his way. It was it was good. I would recommend it. I think it's entirely I, on YouTube. I am so down. That sort of reminds me of, do you guys remember, um, there was the, like, Ghostbusters cartoon show for a while, Saturday mornings. Oh, and then yeah, there was yeah. Well, there were two the, different ones, right? Right, later there was, like, the like the new Ghostbusters, or Ghostbusters Extreme or something, I forget. The real Ghostbusters uh, was the original. Yeah, which uh, I totally have on DVD, because my wife's awesome. She found, like, a weird metallic box set of it, so what's up now? But there was this one episode of Ghostbusters Extreme, which was, like, these newer, like, I think in early 2000s or late 90s, like, these newer kind of modern Ghostbusters who weren't the original team. And the original team shows up and they do like a crossover episode but the original team is just like being super goofy and like late 80s early 90s cartoon style and like the new ones are just like who are these gross old people with proton packs like I hate them so much <laughs> so the new Ghostbusters movie is out now right uh oh. I, I think it it's, 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 it doesn't it's come out another, another week okay oh, is it, I thought it started uh, today was like the or, or like tonight rather cities. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Are you guys... How do you guys feel about that? Because, man, is the internet as a whole ever seeming to tell me that I'm supposed to be super mad about it and that it's supposed to be the end of everything that I've ever loved, but I kind of just, like, I'll probably go to it. Like, I don't know if it looks amazing, but I'll go. Like, Yeah. I thought it, the ad looked, like, I, you know, based on the commercials for it, like the trailer. Yeah. I thought, you know, it doesn't look like the best movie ever, but it looks fine. And right. Have and you seen I, the trailer for the original Ghostbusters? It made that movie look awful. <laughs> that is true, actually. <laughs> like, you can't trust a trailer. Like, all of the Warcraft movie just trailers made that movie look like garbage, and then it was. No, just kidding. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, that ended up being okay. Hey, man, it's, like, blowing up in China. Well, I know. Yeah, no, it's it's going to get a okay. sequel entirely based on China. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I'm just not one of those people who, like, if they do, you know, a reboot or uh, a modern, you know, like revitalizing of a series, and it's, it turns out to be awful, like that doesn't ruin the thing I liked before. Like that thing's still there. Yeah. Like, also, like Melissa McCarthy is a is good. Yeah, she's funny. I think Kristen Wiig is really funny. Like, I don't know. I'm not really like, big into SNL because it hasn't been good in like 15 decades. But it's got Bill Murray in it. It's got Dan Aykroyd in it. It's got Sigourney Weaver in it. It's got Ernie Hudson in it. It's got Chris Pine? Hemsworth. Hemsworth. That's the one. Is he the one that plays Thor? Yes, that's the one that plays Thor. Okay. It's got Ozzy Osbourne in it. No, it it doesn't. Stop it. It does. He's on the the Wikipedia cast list. Okay, well, it's official. Like, I don't know what what people are complaining about. I think they're complaining about it because of women, am I right? I think that that's the... the yeah, man, I just hate women so yeah, much that I cannot enjoy any media if it has any woman at all. That's right, I forgot. This whole thing just has an agenda, I guess. Yeah. Right? That's why I'm mad? Okay. Yeah. Yep. The agenda is trying to make a lot of money. What supposed to be mad about, and I'll do it. Yeah. You're supposed to be mad about uh, the liberals taking our rights away. Right. Uh, uh, you guys did mention, like, in the in the kind of green room before we started, this is, like, a neocon podcast, right? Like, that's what I signed up for? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. We're here to talk about uh, the regressive left. It's still, and... about, it's still about Obama's birth certificate. I still haven't seen that. <laughs> okay. Because I just, I, I want to make it clear, once and for all, that jet fuel can't all steel beams. Like, I've got a lot of literature that you guys really need to read. Good. On air, if preferable. That's a pretty dank meme. Absolutely. Yeah. Jet fuel yeah. can't melt dank memes. <laughs> is is the phrase dank memes itself now a dank meme? Uh, I don't know how dank I, it is. I think, I think so. I, 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 would, I would classify it as a dank meme. Okay. Yeah. Man, it's like... <laughs> did you, there was a tweet that was very, very popular today about how by 2030 children won't be allowed to play outside they have to stay in and study up on memes because the entire economy is now f- based on this fragile balance of memes oh it's man it's true your, your worth is actually based off of how many rare pepes you've got I mean a, a uh, meat based economy is what Hideo was, Kojima predicted there was like that every single about it right where it was like the, your, your worth is now it was calculated on how many funny gifs you had saved on your hard drive <laughs> I I can I don't want to go too dark. Yeah, d- the darkest I timeline. <laughs> I can guarantee I will have uh, I will have blown my brains out long before that. 
if that's the case. Just if the, the, the first time that like the Today Show comes on and like they mention like seven memes within the first three minutes, I'm also watching the Today Show at this point. So there's not much going right in my life. Like I'm going to have to call it. So here's the real reason why the new Ghostbusters movie is going to suck. Uh, they re-recorded the theme from Ghostbusters, but it's Fallout Boy. Have you heard it too? It's not great. Uh, I mean, a ringing endorsement. I'm really trying to be charitable. Missy Elliott has a verse, and she is Missy Elliott, so that's fine. But she can't. I mean, Fallout Boy is a heavy albatross to ask her to carry. Like that's she can't. She can't. She's just one person. You know. Are you not a fan of Fallout Boy? Are we gonna have to fight? Are Are you a huge? I don't know. I don't know anything about Fallout Boy. <laughs> I think they had a song in Rock Band once, and I couldn't have told you what it was called. Sweet. So, so I think we're on the same page as as far as Fallout Boy, which is not really having an opinion on Fallout Boy. Like I'm, they, yeah, basically. Nope. You say you literally know. everything I know about Fallout Boy I learned from Zach. So. I know that lobbyists are really worried about it and, like, you know, putting restrictions on it, but, like, I wouldn't take away your Fall Out Boy if I could. I just, <laughs> I just want people to, like, treat it sensibly. Fall Out Boy yeah. is, the, is the new kid-friendly yeah. version of the, like, venerable Bethesda franchise. <laughs> it's the edutainment version. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just weird because they, they took this theme song that was, like, full of all this, like, amazing 80s cheese... But it wasn't really cheese back then. We just look back on it that way, and it's it's awesome and timeless. And that's scary to mess with it. I get it. <clears throat> but like, we live in a time right now where like that stuff is popular again. Yeah, it's retro. Right. Yeah. So like, that, they could have put a modern spin on it, but still kind of gone that route, and it would have been perfect. And instead, they were like, let's do like weird, like crappy, like arena rock. People love that, right? Like, well, they did in like 2005. But here we are. So it's you know. Again, it's whatever. It's not like ruining one of my favorite things. Right. Ghostbusters still is still there. And also, I like Ghostbusters too. The internet. I also liked Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Well, because you liked Ninja Turtles, right? Ghostbusters too is right in there in that like late '80s to early '90s weird obsession with ooze. That yeah, we loved pop our culture has like between. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters two and Ninja Turtles two and the Power Rangers movie and like Nickelodeon blowing up. There was a real ooze zeitgeist. Oh man, there's a real through line there that I did not remember. I I've only observed this for myself. I don't know if this is a thing that like is just popular on the internet. Like anybody else has thought of, but it's just. Dude, I'm connecting a bunch of red yarn between tacks on a cork board right now. Like you're you're right on. Like I totally get it. Yeah, follow the money. <laughs> <laughs> that influential uh, ooze lobby. I just remember like the most early 90s thing I think I ever saw the most confluence of it was this like awful anti-drug cartoon we had to watch in uh, like 8th grade no that's too late it would have been like 4th grade or something I don't know but they got a bunch of different studios together to all allow them to include different characters that were popular at the time so like the animated version of Pete Venkman and like Michelangelo was in it and like Cartoon Elf was in it and they were all just like really there's a lot of rapping, and that wasn't great. And there was a lot of just really trying to make it clear that like heroin's not okay. Like this needle shouldn't go anywhere near your eyeball. Like it's not what it's for. And I, the one part of it I remember is Michelangelo like smacking a dime bag like out of somebody's hand with his nunchuck, and it was incredible. Uh, it didn't make me not want to do drugs, but it didn't make me want to do drugs more. It just really wanted 
I wanted to be part of this universe where like this is how we handle the war on drugs is through mutagen enhanced reptiles. Oh, okay. So this is this is of the era of Mr. T and the T Squad. Right. Man. This, <laughs> that's what you're looking at. Man, Mr. T and the T Squad. Did you ever Paul, did you ever read Mr. T and the T Squad? Uh it seems like a thing no, you'd be I'm into. A- I'm actually not that familiar with it. Uh I've seen like a couple of images of it, and uh, haven't really delved very much into my, it. When I, my friend in uh, one of my friends in middle school had, uh, I don't know if he had a subscription or if he just had issues of it or whatever. It's it's not good, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we should probably move on to our game section if we want to stay on time, though. We can talk about I, I haven't gotten to talk about any of the things that I've done. Oh, I thought you t- you did. You talked about going behind the scenes at Disneyland. Go for well, it. That was that was months. That was years ago, actually. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. Well, then, well then, and you prompted him to bring that up. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I thought you said uh, you didn't have anything else. I I did exactly like one thing, uh, which was I went to the uh, Brooklyn Botanical Garden uh, oh. this past weekend. Oh, cool. Uh, you should have spoke it like, up when I said who had who did anything. I, I I was just trying to remember because I remember the thing that I did after the botanical garden, but I couldn't remember that that what ha- happened at that botanical garden. There's I have a whole bunch of pictures uh, of just like uh, me goofing off and making uh, like '90s rap poses in front of various flowers because I feel that's the best way to make any photo way less serious than it is is make a goofy uh, '90s rap pose where you're like crouched and you've got like prayer hands or something for some reason. I so mean, I did that. People probably just mistook a lot of those photos for like Boys to Men like album covers because <laughs> that was kind of their jam. Yeah, right. Uh, Boys to Men used to record like a five minute walk from my house. Boys to Men used to record. <laughs> <laughs> also, really? Like, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk about that when Paul's done. Yeah. All right. uh, so yeah. So yeah. The the town garden is really sweet. There's a whole bunch of plants there. And they've got this, like, really big section where they've got a Japanese thing. It's just, like, a whole bunch... They've got, like, a, one of those um, uh, Tory gates. Those, like, you know, giant red gates that they have in the sea for some reason. Uh, that I couldn't tell you anything about, actually, culturally. Um, and uh, there there's a bunch of koi swimming in some water there. And they had a bunch of... Uh, Japanese trees that were really big and we were wondering how long those trees had been there because they're really big. Uh, afterwards, we walked over into Prospect Park and then ate a bunch of food because they've got like this thing called Smorgasburg in which just they just have a whole bunch of food vendors set up there. That sounds incredible. What'd you have? Uh, now I can know. Man, like I need to go back because there's literally like it's so much food and I want to try so much of it. Uh, but what I ended up getting was uh, some hand-cut fries uh, covered in truffle oil with, uh, like, a lemon aioli dipping Dear sauce. In, and it was just amazing. Uh, and there, they also had, like, some Japanese-inspired tacos, which were interesting. And uh, handmade donuts, which were, like, the size of your face. They were humongous. I'm dying. Like, it sounds like... So you had, like, fries with truffle oil and, like, lemon aioli. That sounds like bourgeoisie, like, poutine. Yeah, I know. I need to go back because apparently they do this, like, every weekend um, throughout the entire summer. And I just want to, like, try 
every single food place there because they all look so good. Man. Yeah, I'm jealous officially. New York is good. Yeah, right? This is uh, the benefits of now <laughs> living in New York. I didn't have this available to me before. Yeah. They should have that on their like, city seal. Like, that city hall. New York is good. You all right. Anyway, boys to men, I guess. Boys to men, yeah. <laughs> yeah My so, favorite thing about New Yorkers is how they uh, threw trash at the Green Goblin in Spider-Man. <laughs> because if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yeah. So, um... Hmm. Anyway, so the, the boys to men used to record like a five minute walk from where I used to live, or what I I guess where I where I technically still have my legal residence outside of Philadelphia, because um, I live in I live in a suburb and there is pretty close a a large open to the public park that runs down and has just runs down a, a giant cliff that you can hike up and down. And at the bottom, there's a stream you can walk around in, and if you follow the stream, it eventually leads to, like, through a bunch of old abandoned crumbling mills that are, like, there are signs don't step inside the structure because maybe a bit will crumble on you and you'll die. Uh, <laughs> but if you keep going through the ghost the the ghost town that was once like a milling hub, you reach a modern building that is also crumbling, but it's clearly like a 30 or 40 year old building and not a 400 year old building and uh, that was at one point the Boys to Men recording studio that's and, uh, amazing it's it's really cool it is somebody still owns it because it is regularly padlocked you can't get inside local kids are known to just take some like hedge clippers and chop that padlock off and use it as a place to hang out and drink uh, I've been inside of it once when it was not padlocked. I guess some local kids had been by, and I was hiking through with a friend of mine, and we were like, huh, weird, it's open. Let's go explore. And if you go inside, you can see why it's padlocked, because, like, it is falling apart, and there are just holes in the floor that you could fall down and die. Uh, and Ow! lots of... Yeah, yeah, like, it is not a stable structure. Yeah, the best type of hole. Yeah, it's 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 almost like a video game environment because like oh you know this is one of those instant death pits. <laughs> Boy, uh, the fact that Boys the Men apparently just recorded in effectively what was like the ruins of the town like around Chernobyl really really colors their yeah, music. In the middle of the woods with a stream going by. There's some there's a bunch of cool graffiti on the inside of the building that you can see. This place was once a hub for parties because. Like, you'd go up the stairs, and it would just be written on the wall and spray-paint, beer, and then an arrow pointing where to take the beer. And you walk down that hallway into a large room, and then on the wall there is a, another another piece of spray-paint that says, put beer here, with an arrow pointing <laughs> down at the ground. Like, they were organized, right? It was good. That is, that is rad. Alright, let's talk about games. Right. Oh, is that the? So, is, are we here? Is that the segue? Yeah, that's the segue. Well, no, I mean, there's gonna be a, a bump. You've heard the bump. You know the 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 bump that music that is used to, to transition. I just assumed you did it live. My bad. Uh, well, usually Gord sings it, but he's not mm. here. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what's what's everybody playing? Pokemon Go. 
Uh, no, no one is playing Pokemon Go. Yeah, because you can't it log into it, right? literally impossible to play Pokemon <laughs> Go right now. I played a little bit of it. It's barely yeah. a game. And I, yet, I, my Twitter feed is overtaken by it to the point where I... It's, like, more of a stop. game than Mitomo was, but less right. of a game than Snake on the old, I, like, Nokia phone is. I, I, I will have to say one thing, though, that has disappointed me about Pokemon Go is that within the first day of Mitomo going live, I saw a Lost.jpg, uh, but I have not seen one for Pokemon Go yet. And I'm very disappointed in the entire community <laughs> for not letting this happen. Well, it's been in beta. You probably missed it. It was probably like it's day one of beta. Possible. I did see a picture of a Rattata standing on top of a actually dead rat. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture of somebody with a frying pan full of execute. I saw that. That was that was pretty adorable. I saw somebody pointing like their real life Glock at a Rattata. Uh-huh. Asking if I'm doing this right. My favorite one is uh, was the one that was like, "Hey, come over. I can't. Why not?" There's literally a Snorlax blocking the road. There's <laughs> Snorlax blocking. There, there's the there's a really good uh, one that was on Reddit, which was uh, a guy. It's just a photo of like, "Oh, I see a Pokemon. How do I catch it?" He's like, "Throw the ball." And the next photo is a a photo of a broken phone. Because it's three phone at the Pokemon. I like the one that was I couldn't I couldn't log into Pokemon Go, so I threw an orange at a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I guess there's three teams. There's like red, yellow, and blue, and you're somehow supposed to feel some sort of allegiance. I couldn't tell you to one of those colors. This game has no tutorial right. outside it of the really does how to catch a Pokemon. And I, that it's just like, all right, go. It doesn't tell you what any of the items do. You know, you know what's messed up due to uh, server issues. It like forced me to choose Bulbasaur as my starter, even though that is like my last pick for starters. Wow, that's rough, man. Put Bulbasaur weak. on blast. Yeah. I know. Not a lot of love for even, the even, even worse. I caught a second Bulbasaur. Oh. Game, come on! I picked Charmander because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> That's right. If you didn't choose Charmander and you're not Paul, who apparently was forced into Bulbasaur against his will, maybe you should reconsider your life decisions. I'm not playing this game, but I really love the level of discourse that's happening here. I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Are you a dirty Squirtle lover? I, I am, especially the one with sunglasses. Okay. Yeah. If they let you yeah, catch that's... the Squirtle Squad, Squirtle, then then oh, I'd be so story. down. That'd be a different story. I feel like I'm a man outside of time because I love video games and I work in video games and yet I stopped following Pokemon like I was right age limit wise I was kind of right on the edge when it was like a lot of people in my grade thought it was super cool and a lot were like am I right and so it was like I kind of just barely I played Red I think and loved it and then fell off the train so I know like the first 150 and that's it that's all this now this is only the first 150 oh thank god because all the new pokemon are weird and scary to me yeah i feel the same how could you not love a pokemon that's literally an ice cream cone and it turns into two an ice cream cone with two scoops (laughs) that's Uh, excuse me it's all about chandelure the pokemon that is literally a chandelier It, it starts out as like little candle no, I think that that's no, that's Litwick. That's a different. Yeah, yeah that's Litwick. Like, no, it evolves into Chandelure. Into Chandelure? See, I don't even yeah. know. Yeah, dude. I, having now played uh, the oh a the modern Pokemon, Pokemon game. game, 
I know so much more about the latest generation than I really should. <laughs> so, I, I still am trying to get over the fact that Mr. Mime exists because because that's like he, just a human. Thing it's just a human like. being that you keep in this plastic <laughs> sphere. Like that's boy. It's like, um, that brings up a lot of ethical and moral implications that I'm not comfortable with as like a supposed twelve year old. So I'm watching not gonna lie. Chandler is one of the like twelve playable characters in that Pokemon Tekken fighting game. <laughs> he's so goofy that he totally justifies his inclusion. <laughs> he's he's like the Mr. Game and Watch in Super Smash Brothers. Just like what okay, is this thing? Mr. Game and Watch is a completely legitimate character with very fun elements that make him a top tier competitive pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I only competition as being as annoying as possible. I only have played as Charizard in that game because I'm not an idiot. But <laughs> <laughs> I do like when the Chandelier shows up. It's like, ah, oh, this guy. Wait, wait, why would you not play as Luchador Pikachu? Uh, Luchador Pikachu is funny, but uh, I I did not want to play as a speed based character because I didn't want to have to learn a bunch of button combos. I wanted to play as Charizard so I could just hit one button and it did all of the damage. <laughs> I see. I didn't want to have to get good at a fighting game. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's a lead strat in its own right. Yeah. And it's I like, can respect it. I mean, it's like playing as the panda in regular Tekken, right? Right. Any any character where you can just kind of heavily mash your palm like on the buttons of the controller. Oh, and man. It's, it's, all, it's all about playing uh, Yoshimitsu and just doing the one pogo move over and over again. Despite, like, despite it being like very ineffective in 99% of situations. Let's be honest. If you walk into any arcade and look at the high scores in a Tekken machine, every single place is held by King. It, it is true. I don't know what that's about, but it is always King. Uh, King King is uh, the the fox of Tekken. <laughs> okay, man. I wonder if he is still like in recent Tekken games. I wonder if he's still like super good, or if that was just late to early, late to nineties, early two thousands Tekken arcade games. Some deep pulls here. <laughs> yeah, it bums me out sometimes how like really high level play of like a competitive game. We'll basically just boil it down to its most boring, like, like the Fox thing, right? Like, Fox only, like, uh, Final Destination, like, no items, and it's like, well, but this sucks. Like, now we're just kind of playing, like, furry Street Fighter 1. Like, this, this right. blows. Like, you know, what? this well, isn't Smash Bros. anymore. You know, it'd be well, really good. Smash Bros. does actually have, like, a very vibrant competitive scene. And uh, for a while, people were kind of scared that Fox actually would just become the only character people would play because it was just that much better than all the other characters. Um, but then a guy named Hungrybox came along, and he just... The only player in the world who can play Jigglypuff at a high competitive level, and he plays it <laughs> so much better than anyone else, and he consistently beats people who don't play Fox so well that other players are forced to play, like, pick up Fox in order to have a chance in a lot of cases. <laughs> this this guy is single-handedly and almost enforcing the Fox-only meta. Oh my so, god. Uh, so he I has was, to be stopped. Mm, I, was, I was on Wikipedia just now looking at the list of Tekken games, and uh, in the info box it said related games, and the first one is Soul. And of course, like, oh, if I think about it, clearly that's like Soul Calibur. But right. I... I thought it was a Dark Souls fighting game and I got really excited 
<laughs> and then I and then I realized that that's never going to happen. But I would like to see a Dark Souls fighting game. Wait, do, doesn't Dark Souls have a fighting game basically built? Dark Souls in? has PvP in it, but right. I'm thinking of like like a Street Fighter or a Tekken type. I mean, game. if you, if you think about it as more of a Soul Calibur, it's like basically the same. It's also you can't play Dark Souls PvP without crazy lag and teleporting around and hoping Dude, it's, that you're it's, it's, your it's all about the uh the shield only strat you just pick up two straight <laughs> shields <laughs> yeah. yeah wow what do you do what do you do you can't get through havel's shield uh, i would love to see like the crestfallen warriors move set he's just like so full of ennui that he kind of just bums the other player out until they quit <laughs> which which I'm, one yeah. there are so many crestfallen warriors yeah, I'm trying to decide if they'd all be different characters, or if they would just be like. Okay, so Hawk, Hawkwood in Dark Souls Three turns out to be not crestfallen at all, and has his own adventures, so he could be his own character. Well, spoilers, buddy. I'm still. Have, have you not, have you beaten the Abyss Watchers yet? Uh, I have. Okay, and well then you should have known that. I, well, I don't pay very good attention because I was too, <laughs> I was too suffused with like. Just being amazed I got past them because every I would go on the internet and be like, How do I beat these guys? I'm really struggling here. And the answer should have been, Well, you're a big dummy because you're not using a shield because you think you're OP, but you're actually off with this game. And all I heard was like, Get good, and like, they're, they're not hard. This is, this game's not hard. Like, what are you doing? So like, yeah, they took me 40, 50 tries. Yeah. Like, no joke. Yeah, Abyss Watchers is the trigger point for Hawkwood to leave Firelink and go start his own adventures. Because, uh, uh, I think am I ever going to see him again? Because yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll see him again. Boy, howdy, are the NPC quests in this game difficult to actually... Yeah, you'll see him leave. again. You can't you can't mess up his quest. Uh, okay, because I've, I've probably killed uh, or otherwise doomed two or three NPCs just by going about my day, <laughs> like bubbling through the game without realizing. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, because he used to be a member of the Abyss Watchers. Oh, that's rad. Okay. It's... It, it, he leaves behind his shield. I think if you talk to uh, Andre, he'll give it to you, and it'll be like, Hawkwood the Deserter was a member of Farron's Undead Legion, but you may have noticed that the Undead Legion don't use shields, and his uses of a shield probably presaged his eventual desertion. Well, that hardly seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but now, now that they're dead, he's no longer on the run, because like they're not coming after him anymore, so he's free to go. Oh, cool. Uh... Those guys are cool, though. I like the yeah. I I beat them by letting them kill each other. Oh yeah, that was that was my tactic too. When I finally realized, like, I was too stubborn to take a shield out because I played all the Dark Souls two shieldless with two katanas, and I felt really rad. And for some reason, I can't do it here. But I didn't take my shield out. I just dodged and dodged until like the Abyss Watcher who fights them showed up, and then I just would do my best to not piss him off and cowardly yeah, I- hide in the corner. I would try to pick off one of them so he would have a fair fight. Yeah. I would just hurl fire at whoever wasn't actively engaged with him. Dark Souls. Indeed. Dark Souls. Um, <laughs> Paul, have you been playing anything other than Pokemon Go? Because I, uh, I really Yeah, haven't. I actually got to... Um, so for the 4th of July, uh, instead of doing stuff that people normally do, like cookouts and watching fireworks... Hey, man, I read the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. That was how I celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I went and uh, my, I had a couple of friends over and we played the Pathfinder card game, oh. Uh, oh, which cool. is really, really sweet, actually. I, I had such a blast playing it, and uh, um, it, we literally got the two ends of the RNG 
in the game. Uh, we did like the base adventure, and the first time we got through the entire deck and, of, of like the turns that you have uh, to actually complete the mission. And we get to the only location that the villain can be in, and there are two cards left. So he's either there, and we kill him, and the game is over, or he's the card below that, and we lose. Okay. And Whoa. he happened to be the car the very bottom card of that deck. So we just lost, and there's nothing that could be done about it, and that felt bad. So we just like replay the adventure, and literally the very first turn we find him and then beat the crap out of him. And I think three turns later, we just won. So, and what a roller coaster. That reminds me of that game of Arkham Horror we played, where we did really well, but then we got bad luck and the Ancient One awakened anyway. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> so we, we drew its first attack, and its first attack was like, the Ancient One looks at you and shrugs and goes back to sleep. You win the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, we, we screwed up at a lot of places, I think, but we got out anyways. Yeah. Uh, was that the same game where Mark died and was reincarnated as a kung fu master who falcon punched the, the like, ancient evil super hard for, like, 20 of its health or something ridiculous? Uh, it might have been the same play session, I don't remember. Yeah, we played Boy. a lot of Arkham Horror. Arkham Horrors were the coming alive. I don't remember that being a thing that you can do. We had every expansion. Gotcha. <laughs> I think that she was. I think that that was an add-on character, Kung Fu Master, traveling from the far east to I'm in. Arkham. I mean, yeah. And any chance to uppercut a Shagath, like, sign me up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Man, uh, so here's here's a, a a piece of information which is like retroactively amusing. The ancient one that we were fighting in that was the the ancient one that was worshipped in Sarnath. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> which is a which is definitely a theme in uh, our recent episodes. That that character is the Doom that came to Sarnath and uh, left behind the the Sega Sarnath console. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm try- so yeah, the for me the only other game that I've really played is World of Warcraft. I played a bunch of World of Warcraft th- this past week. Uh never heard of it. Yeah, I I've never heard of this it, game. It's it's it, a card game. You it, it's sort of like Magic the Gathering, but uh the characters are more interesting. They're not all named Jace and uh <laughs> But well, there are plenty of other characters uh, that are named one, Jason yeah. Magic. Yeah, there are there you there are nine classes, and you build a deck of thirty cards. L- listen, say what you want about Magic, but at least not all the characters are voiced by Chris Metzen. That's that is true. <laughs> anyway, so I I played a bunch of World of Warcraft exclusively PvP. I just queued up and played something like f- until I won like almost 50, 50 matches of PvP fights. And I'm assuming that with your win rate, you you played like 200 games. I think I played 250 games this season, but I have over 100 wins. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm only sporting like a 30% win rate because I've been pugging, and it turns out that uh, random pickup groups are not as good at PvP as people who are actually working together on with like voice chat. No. But, Stop. Yeah. So, but I was just like, all right. Just gonna YOLO this. Each match is only like two minutes long, if that. 
I gotta get. I was I was trying to get to my 100 wins for the season uh, before the expansion comes out in like a week and a half or two weeks. I think is the patch and uh, removes the ability to get the cool dinosaur that I wanted. And so I sat down. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna just grind these out. I gotta do it. I've been procrastinating for six months. I did it, and it was actually pretty fun. Like it was, which which is like I guess an anticlimax, but it turns out that that uh WoW PVP is really fun. And Interesting. What do you, what do you play as? I uh, I play as an elemental shaman, which is a terrible terrible spec for PVP right now. Like it is just garbage. <laughs> like no no serious right. professional team is going to take an elemental shaman. With well, I think that might have to do a lot with your poor win rate actually no it has to do with the elemental shaman class because in mr right right exactly like your your insistence on running elemental shaman pvp probably hurt your win rate a lot sure yeah it's not like in mr pandaria where i was an elemental shaman in pvp and like actually it even though i was pugging got to the point where i actually earned like an end of season like you were in the top percentage of players this season reward and that felt real good i only did it once I only did it once. It was like, you were in the top 35% of all players in World of Warcraft this PvP season. Here's your here's your title or whatever. Man, that was back when I was had free time in college. <laughs> <laughs> when you could put aside such pursuits as studying or... No, I was an English major. Future. I didn't have to do homework, so... Heck yeah. Look yeah. for ours. Fist bump respect. Yeah, so I, I could... If, if my friends weren't doing anything, I could... Uh, just sit around and play World of Warcraft, and Mark was still playing at that point too. Our friend Mark. Um, so I had I had someone I could play with. Um, but yeah. So but <laughs> Elemental Shaman is bad now and has been bad this entire expansion. So eh. and I don't want like I'm not good at playing a healer shaman, which is what's good in PvP. <laughs> Because I just, like, I I don't know how. You just press your Healy buttons until they don't have uh, health. Or they do have health. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like playing whack-a-mole. You see those health bars go down, and you try to whack them back up. Right. You want to make numbers go higher, not go lower. I mean. Yeah. So, I think that, like, what I like about PvP and World of Warcraft is a lot of what I like about Heroes of the Storm as a game. Compared to, say, like, League of Legends or Dota or other Lords Management games. Is it that you have uh, bad taste in MOBAs? No, no, it's that I like like that there is a variety of battlegrounds that are available. Each of them offer a different play experience, so you're not just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I can see that. That variation is... Like, if League of Legends didn't just have Summoner's Rift as the mode that you played... What the, okay, well, if you, if I know you did that some, Arab exists, but there, there's there's Howling Abyss, which is the murder bridge, uh-huh. and then there's also Twisted Tree Line, uh, which is how many uh, of those a, are things that people regularly play? And then there are uh, <laughs> week, weekly rotating game modes, which have special maps with special rules. Uh huh. So anyway, if League of Legends had anything that wasn't Summoner's Rift. <laughs> I think it would be way more enjoyable. Plenty, plenty of people play around, actually. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that's that's like a different thing. That's fair. Like, a yeah. like, is also in Heroes of the Storm. And pretty silly. I played that the other day with Gord, and we 
got destroyed because turns out random team use <laughs> all terrible characters. Um, but yeah, so so that's that's my World of Warcraft play experience lately, and I'm pretty excited for the new expansion, which is a thing that I bought uh, like eight months ago because I'm a sucker. So, so. How many characters are going to be voiced by Chris Metzen? And how much time um, how many travel new is there? Characters? There's no time travel. In fact, the plot of this ex- next expansion is such that basically Warlords of Draenor didn't happen. Like, they are just, like, brushing it under the rug. It cool. picks up basically directly where Mists of Pandaria left off. Uh, with the exception of the very ending of Warlords, which is what causes this. Where... Okay. The Burning Legion invaded Draenor, and Gul'dan got thrown through a portal to Azeroth, and it just is now summoning the Legion there. But that isn't even needed, because in Mists, there was a character who was like, I had a, I've had a vision. The Legion is coming back. They'll be here literally any day. Literally any day. And then they had an expansion that was not that, and people got confused. <laughs> well, I mean... It's sort of like that earthquake that they keep saying is going to literally crack Seattle in half and push the half of it that I'm on, like, into the sea. Sure. And scientists just come on, they're like, I mean, it could happen in 60 years, it could happen right now. And you don't, and you don't know, and so, like, it's, are, it's not But are a- any of those scientists uh, literally prescient magical dragons that can see the future? I cannot confirm or deny it. Because I'm willing to trust, if, if that is true, I'm willing to trust them. Anyway. I mean, get, this is a weird town, man. And then good happen, Seattle. Yeah, well, right? you gotta keep Seattle weird, right? Right. <laughs> uh, right. What about you? What have you been been playing? Well, your your tale of your amazing uh, acts of prowess in World of Warcraft is really bumming me out because I uh, am also deeply enlarged in uh, a Blizzard created competitive game, but I've been playing a ton of uh, Overwatch. Oh, I played some of that too. Don't worry. It's, well, I, I worry because are are you playing the competitive mode? Oh God, no, 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 okay. no! no. <laughs> you don't want those golden guns? Oh God! You don't want to be blinged out? Oh, I'd rather die! No, 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 no! The, the, <laughs> I had, I had a fifteen year old, um, judging by the the timbre and register of their voice, uh, screaming me over the mic two days ago that I was a tryhard. Uh, are you a tryhard? Was he? Was I he I clearly was not trying hard at all based on my performance. So I don't. I don't know what to do with that information, but no, I. Overwatch is weird for me because I'm not really big into FPS games, and I have avoided any kind of multiplayer-only experience like the Plague. And for some reason, this came out, and I was just yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Something, something really compelled me, and I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I, I love it to the point where that's why I'm still not done with Dark Souls Three because I stopped playing that to play this, and you know. That, that jerk at the end of Earth, though, Captain Kills made one move. I forget his name. He's uh, just... Aldrich? That's the dude. Boy, is he mad. Why is he so mad all the time? Because uh, he, he ate what's-his-name, right? He, well, he ate a lot of what's-his-names. No, he only ate one. He only oh. ate... He only ate, um... What? Gwendolyn? 
<laughs> right? Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, Boy, I'm learning a lot look, about the look, Lord. Look at him. Look at him. He's, he's, he looks like... That's why his like the upper half of his body is Gwendolyn. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe I misspoke about Irithal. I'm talking about, you know, you go to that area and there's a monster that appears on the bridge and like, ambushes you. Yeah. And there's all these like dancing swords people. Yeah. And then there's this guy. Uh, I think it's a... Oh, he has a stupid name that sounds like it doesn't belong in our... Oh, our Sullivan. Sullivan, thank you. Sounds yeah, like he's got a normal guy name. Yeah. His <laughs> friends call him Sully. Pontiff Sullivan. Yeah. So he, he continues to be my, my bulwark is, right now. No, I understand. Be, uh, because... I call, him, uh, I call him Slashy Pope. Yep. That's... I can see. Because he's a pope. Because he's a pope. And he slashes. Okay. That's what he does. It's a slash and... He is, he is by far, like, the largest step up in difficulty in the game. Like, I that got to him... I got to him... Because I bought the game when it, like the day it came out and didn't have class that week, so I was just blowing through it. And I got to him, I guess, before most other players, and was just beating my head against him. And I put down what a soapstone message that was just, "Now the real fight begins." <laughs> yep. And it's gotten dozens of upvotes just because it was one, the first one there. Yeah. <laughs> and every um, once yes. in a while, I'll still get like a message like one of your messages was upvoted, and it's always that one. Yeah, it's nice when you land a really good soapstone. In, in a Souls game, you consistently get those heals, kind of. Never when you need them, of course, but it no, still feels. I saw a, there. There was a guy I, I know who was uh, who was like, "Look at this clutch soapstone heal," and he was fighting against like the final secret boss of the game, like the in one of the optional post-game type areas, and he had no health. He had like like a tiny sliver of health, so anything would kill him. And just as he got hit he got that message and it healed him enough to survive and then he hit the boss and killed him. That is right. And will never and has never happened to me. Yeah, it's never going to happen again. I get it when I'm like in the menu like standing next to a bonfire yep. like at max. Yep. So that's where I, I, I'm loving Dark Souls 3 but Overwatch has completely preempted it just because mm-hmm. partially because you know it's multiplayer so I've got friends I'm actually making appointments with the play but I don't get it. Guys, I really don't. Like why, why am I so... I think part of it is that it's kind of like playing a Pixar film. Like, it's that level of, of charm for me, I think. Mm-hmm. And I might be a little starved for that because uh, the last Pixar movie I watched was Up with my wife. And she turned to me after that opening scene and said, I'm never watching one of these again. And yeah, Was she, was she like, <laughs> literally in tears? No. On the outside, no. But on the inside, she was... A roiling mass of emotions, and she basically informed me, like, we're never, I'm never doing this again. And you're not the kind of guy who goes to theaters by yourself, so that implicitly means you're never doing it again. You should watch Although, Inside Out. It's about, uh. They tell you it's about, like, the emotions of a small girl, but it's really about, like, the destructive housing crisis in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. Stop. Stop it. That okay. can't. Stop it. <laughs> It's. I believe. I believe that. I believe that. Whatever. Have you not seen it, Paul? What? Have you not seen it? I have not seen uh, it, but I've seen enough of it to know what the plot is. Yeah. So that's that is what it is about. Um, in a really like sideways sly way. I've I've heard it's amazing. I've heard it's going to uh, emotionally wreck me, which I'm. I don't know if that's true. I didn't. I didn't find that that was the case. I've had reports that I, I will. I will openly weep. But they also know that I'm very, I'm very weak emotionally, and that I, I weep. You know, if I if I get a Twix and I put them next to each other, and one of the bars is a little shorter, like that's enough. 
send me over the edge, which has happened. Like, why don't they standardize these things? I don't know. You know, I don't know. So, I don't. Overwatch. I'm. I'm really digging. <laughs> I'm really digging it. Um, every character I played, and I played every character. Every single one is fun. There's like not one character that I don't like. Um, I'm playing classes that the few times I've dipped into multiplayer games, I've never played. Like I usually go support because like even if I'm bad, uh, if I heal somebody even a little bit, I'm I'm still welcome on this team. Like you know I won't get screamed at. But in this game, like I'm doing, I'm probably playing Tracer the most, who is the opposite of support. Zip, like zip 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 like no. We're near the team ever because that's not i think i like her because her whole job isn't to get kills it's just to be like a severe like enraging pain like yep. you're just you just want to get behind enemy lines and even if you can just like spray them with bullets and get them to chase you like then you're doing your job because now they're not doing what they're supposed to do and your team is having an easier time of it and i think i find that really fun and engaging yes so yeah i've been i've been investing time i don't have <laughs> in that game like that's, you're not the first one that's ha- that I think has had that. Whoa, what is up with this game? Why am I enjoying it so much? I don't know if you've been if you saw uh, Rachel when she was like she did not get into the Overwatch beta, I guess. And I was like, man, this game's really good, and I don't like these games. She was like, eh, I don't know. I played a lot of Team Fortress Two when I was in college. I don't really have want to get back into that. And then she came over and played Overwatch uh, at my house. And two days later, she's like, I'm buying Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I've done the same with several friends of mine who, I've got one buddy who I've known since I was a kid who is extremely picky about games in general, um, and incredibly multiplayer averse, and I talked him into it, and he's in love with it. And it's just, I don't know, it's just got, I think a lot of it too for me is that, uh, aside from competitive, which is, you know, a toxic hellscape, uh, which I won't speak of, um, they Blizzard did a lot of stuff to kind of actually try to make the community stay awesome and supportive. Like, I love that you can vote for, you can give commendations to people on the other team uh, at the end of a match. Like, that mm-hmm. feels really, like, that promotes sportsmanship. And I usually do. I love that you can, your kill-death ratio is hidden. Because people don't even know how bad I suck. Like, the answer is really bad, okay? Like, they don't need that information. They can just assume I'm competent. It's great. And it just, I don't know, they do all these steps to kind of really promote and everything's objective based, so you're not if you're going around just getting kills to get kills, like you're not playing the game right. You're encouraged to work as a team and try to achieve this thing together, and that feels really awesome and fun and inclusive in a way that any other multiplayer only game I've dipped into hasn't. All right. Mm. I played a so, game uh, like a day or two ago with uh, Brian Kibler. Brian, don't call me Kibler. Kibler, Brian Kibler. <laughs> And I didn't believe it was him at first. I said, are you are you the real Kibler? And he said, I am not an imposter. I said, I'm narrowing my eyes at you real hard right now. <laughs> and he said, no, no, it's it's real. I just tweeted about it. And I looked at his Twitter, and lo and behold, it, he had. So it was it was the real Brian Kibler. And he, he was well, I mean, like, like how, how do you know? Like, it still could have been an imposter. You need to, like, get him because, to put a shoe on his head. Because uh, his account profile matched the one in the tweet. It was the same character, and the, like he was playing the same character, and his player level was the same, and his username was the same. So. Oh man, I was. Uh, that is that is sweet. I've never had any celebrity sightings in game. Yeah, and uh, he he was he was a fun guy to play with. He was funny. Uh, he he played Roadhog a lot. He played only tanks, and he was only level sixteen, so he was clearly like new at this game. 
uh, which is fine because I am also new at this game. And uh, we were on opposite teams, and we got into a bunch of punching each other fights where he was Winston and I was uh, Reinhardt. Okay. <laughs> we would just, like, square off and just punch on each other until one of us died, which is pretty good. Uh, he played Roadhog for one of our games, and uh, he used his hook on D.Va as D.Va hit self-destruct. Yes! Nice. I was just like, uh, and then he, and, and so he killed his team and uh, put into chat, <laughs> put into chat. Oh. I did not mean to hook the suit. <laughs> I thought you were saying he like heroically hooked Diva away from the team, like and up onto a rooftop. No, or no, something. no. He was, he was, he was, like, no, he, he was just like, oh, I'm gonna grab that self-destructing robot and bring it right here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then he was just like, "I didn't mean to grab the suit." And I said, "Yeah, I was wondering about that." <laughs> yeah. But this is a strategy we're not getting at. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a fun, fun guy to play with. I appreciate his dedication to making decks with dragons in them in Hearthstone, because he, he's a dragon master, man. It's <laughs> that's those are, that's my favorite thing. deck, and uh, someday it'll be good. What? No, dude. Uh, Dragon Warrior is top tier according to Tempo Storm. It's tier three at this point, isn't it? No, it's tier two, I think. Oh. It, it might even, it might be getting close to tier one. I don't know. I don't know. No, may, maybe I'm completely wrong. But Dragon Warrior on the tier list more so than other dragon lists. Oh, Dragon Warrior is number two now. Wow. No, number yeah, two I, in tier one. Okay, yeah! Wow! Huh. Dra- dragon Warrior is a real deal, dude. Okay. Yeah, please, Dragon Warrior. Okay, it's Dragon Warrior, but there are almost no dragons in this deck. What the? It's it plays so many dragons. It plays fairy dragons. It, pl- it plays Azure Drake, <laughs> which you play regardless of whether it's a dragon. It plays Twilight Guardian, which is just a solid taunt, and then it plays fairy dragon. That's it. It, it plays a uh, Dragonoid Crusher. That's, That's a dragon. Not a dra- oh, it is. Oh, okay. I guess that is a dragon technically. I guess that's because that card's picture is just, like, a dude with a spear. I don't think of that card. It, it's a dragon. dragon dude. You can tell by his okay. dragon face. Okay. When I think of a dragon <laughs> deck, I want a dragon deck that plays, like, Deathwing, Dragonlord, and Alexstrasza, and Desera, and Malagos, and, and uh, like, all of the big, awesome dragons. I want, like, a Timmy dragon deck. And it's never going to be good. That's you want to accept, like, Sleaze Axe from Land of the Lost. It's going to be, like, legit flying quadrupedic, quadrupedal. Quadrupedal? Yeah. Four legs, Quad- dragons. Quad- those, those that thank you. It's gonna be those, right? Dude, I, I tried. I tried to play um, dragon shaman in the brawl. Why uh, play paladins the entire time? I I I just lost to every deck. Okay, I guess it was because <laughs> it it turned like I I was like this is the, gonna be the curve. Okay, turn one, uh, rock biter weapon and get rid of zombie chaz. Turn two, doomsayer. Turn three, alarm robot. Turn four, ancestors call. Yo, ancestors. The deck, the, and like, literally every deck just is full of big cards. So, like, every time I play Ancestors Call, it would get, like, a 6-drop and their 8-drop. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess that, that is kind of how this happens, isn't it? Yeah, or or you'd come across a paladin who all of his minions have Divine Shield. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Hmm. But I, I, I have both Death Wings. I'm, just, I'm going to get both de- with death, death Wings in play. It was bad. Don't don't try. <laughs> did you see that? Uh, that speaking of Deathways, did you see that clip of the guy who played Varian Rin into three Deathwings? <laughs> oh god! 
<laughs> it like it procked three three death wings. It was just like the best variant that you could possibly hope for. It seems pretty good, yeah. Uh, uh, and it was from Golden Monkey, I believe. He played Golden Monkey, got Varian, played Varian, and the next three cards were all death. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> that, was how Jeez. He, that was how he got that many in his deck. Yep. That yeah. seems, seems yep. pretty good. Sounds like a bloodbath. Yeah. Well, I mean, for one guy. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we should probably move on to uh, talking to Ryan about music, though. We've only got like half an hour left. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, we could just keep going forever about this, I'm sure, but... Oh yeah, I have a long SJW-laden missive about how awesome Overwatch's diversity is, but I can I can say I can just write it in as yeah, a comment. You guys can read it on there. Put it in the listener mail uh, segment. Okay, yeah. yeah, we'll do. All right. All right, so Ryan, tell us about music. What is music? Music is. Oh man, you know. Um, okay, here's here's a question. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay, go. So you know the the phrase uh, "music soothes the savage beast," right? Uh, yes. Okay. Did you know that originally that phrase was uh, "music soothes the savage breast"? I didn't, but that's infinitely more awesome than the one that we why, actually Why? Why is it? Now, beast instead of breast. As a it's, musician, you I should know this. this uh, wait, I, I don't. I don't understand that idiom. What What does that mean? Which, which one? Music soothes a savage breast. So it's from a poem, and the original, like the the full line, it was originally "music has charms to soothe a savage breast." Actually, is it from a poem? It's, I guess it's from um. A play, which is in verse, so I guess it's a poetic line from a play. You could have just said poem, and we don't believe you. Sure, but I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, you can't be wrong on the internet. But what Watch does it that. mean? It's it's about you know like. I you think if you're fire it's, your, it's it's from the 1600s, so it's a, it's it's about like fire in your breast, like. Yeah, they don't mean. They like, don't mean boob, like a boob. Boob breast. They yeah. mean like breast breast, like yeah, like a chicken, like a chicken okay. breast. You yeah. beat like a chicken breast. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so if, you're, if your chicken breast is especially savage, yeah, it's by and, um. Anyway, it it was originally written by uh, Congreve, I believe, who also in that same play uh, coined that like hath no fury like a woman scorned idiom as well. Boy, this guy's so, on fire, huh? Yeah, just that it's uh, the play is called the Morning Bride, morning like in morning like someone died. Um, he also uh, coined the phrase kiss and tell, so. Oh, this this dude. He is, was uh, he was like yeah. gutting for Shakespeare in terms of quite, quite, quite the quite the wordsmith. Anyway, it was originally Savage Breast, and now it's Savage Beast. So, what which, which is it? Which does music soothe? Uh, it's supposed to be uh, Savage Borscht, which is a. Uh, <laughs> it's like a Russian soup, right? It's like a Russian beet soup, actually. And um, are you a Borscht fan? I mean, I'm legally obligated to be. If uh, do you if, drink your Borscht hot or cold? Oh, cold, for sure. I mean, Russians aren't really big on joviality with their traditional foods, so, you know, the colder and less kind of inviting and revitalizing it is, the better. Which musical note is most closely associated with the beat? B flat. I mean, I'm kind of insulted, honestly, that you have to ask, but it's, it's fine, you know, I, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm the guy who does 
who does the bleeps and bloops. So like that's what I'm here for. But yeah. So so what I'm you... sorry, the public school system failed you so so I poorly. Did, I didn't go to public school. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. I did. Oh God. Uh, so so why don't you tell us a little bit like how how did you get into game music specifically? Like that's not as as professional musicians go, most of them don't go into games. So what what took you there? Uh, I just yeah, that's right. Okay. It's a serious question. <laughs> I know. I was waiting for like the punchline. There isn't one, and now I'm not prepared because I have to say real stuff. So, um, Are you I your other answers weren't real. No, the borscht thing is like I I will go to I'll die on that hill. Don't even don't fight me on that. But okay. uh, so it's weird because I always wanted to do it like, in my heart since I was a little kid, like Disney movie style. Like one day I'm gonna come of age and like go on this quest. Um, always love video games. I've been playing, you know, piano since I was four and like always really into, really into music. But I went through most of high school and college and the grad school career that I didn't actually need to embark on, but did because I was scared to actually go home and be a real musician. Um, I went through most of that thinking that it was ridiculous folly to get into game music because it's like, that's like saying I'm going to be a professional football player, like, because I'm okay at feet balls in high school, which I wasn't. But you get what I'm saying, right? It felt unrealistic. Um, I only really kind of started going for it once I finished uh, grad school in 2010, which is about when, like, the kind of current golden age of indie games was really coming into fruition with, like, Super Meat Boy and stuff. And so I ended up just Mr. Magusa, like, bumbling into it uh, right at the time when it was, like, the most accessible for just regular people because there were more than, like, 12 jobs to be had. Right. Um, so yeah, Danny Baranowski couldn't be working on every game. Yeah, he can, I mean, most certainly, but not all, right. There's, there's gotta be some scraps for the rest of us. So, um, I ended up seeing a tweet by another game musician that I followed saying like, here's my uh, submission for this game called Gunpoint to be the composer. And I was like, what's a Gunpoint and what are you talking about? And so I just clicked on it. And realized that there was an indie game coming out called Gunpoint that was like a side-scrolling, you know, stealth puzzle game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not orthodox. This isn't how most devs do it, although I wish more of them would do this. But uh, Tom Francis, who's the developer, was holding open auditions as opposed to just going with someone that he knows or uh, somebody who got in touch with him. He was like, here's some gameplay in a video. Um, send me this video back, scored, and I'll pick who I like. And so I ended up uh, writing to it and not thinking I was going to get it. I still didn't feel like, even though I've been doing music for so long, I hadn't been doing game-oriented music, like trying to do loops and, you know, fading between, like, A track and B track and, you know, basically writing music towards an interactive, you know, uh, product. I hadn't really been doing that for very long. I'd only just started kind of working on it on my own, like, during grad school when I realized that I don't want to play John Cage for the rest of my life because I, again... You know, I'll just lay down an overpass and wait because, oh, God. And so uh, I did it just as an exercise, not thinking I would get it, especially because people like C418, who's the composer for Minecraft, auditioned. Uh, but for Minecraft what? music? <laughs> I know, right? Um, I guess I just always play with the sound off. Yeah. Sound is like, the worst thing to hear as like a musician, right? How, it, how, how do you is... play Minecraft sound off? Yeah, how do you... What about creepers? Yeah, creepers and spiders, you gotta know when they're nearby. Creative mode? (laughs) I like like to stop. Um, 
Yeah, it is. It is a. Uh, it, it does defy the core of everything I built and everything I am to hear that you play a game with the sound off. But I'm. I'm. I'll be. Sure, I'll be. I'll be fine. This is fine. I've never played any of your games with the sound off. Have you played any of my games? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, I played uh, Frog Fractions too. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, you probably have to play that with the sound on to test it, but I'll take it. So, anyways, uh, I ended up getting getting the gig to write the majority of the music for that game. There's two other mm-hmm. super talented composers who are friends of mine who each uh, submitted a track because again when you're just submitting to the internet to say write music for my game you can kind of carte blanche take what you want mm-hmm. um, but that was how I how I got my first gig and I was incredibly incredibly lucky that it ended up being that game because you know it, it I'm very proud to say it did, it did very well you know it, it uh, was number one on Steam for a while when it came out and like we got to go to the BAFTA Awards which are sort of like the Academy Awards except no one in America knows what they are and uh it was just, it was really, really cool. And it's one of those things that I've had to kind of make clear to a lot of people who are looking to get into game music because they hear that story and they go, well, that sucks. You just bubbled into it. You got lucky. And yes. <laughs> like that's hey, that's how I got into game writing. Right. And there, there is a huge element of, of doing that, right? But what I try to make clear to people who want to get into this is that they don't get demoralized and go carve homemade whistles under a bridge for the rest of their life is that you're yes you are sort of getting lucky but what you're really doing is trying to cultivate this professional career where you're allowing more of these opportunities to come your way so that yes maybe you are getting lucky maybe you're just getting it through hustling and and getting in touch with devs and that's the more direct way but you're networking and doing these things in such a way where you have more opportunities that something could suddenly come your way and so that's the aspect of it that you have control of. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. I, I actually realized I have played one of your games uh, that you wrote music for because I played uh, West of Loathing. Wait, how? It's not... Oh. That does not preclude people. Like, <laughs> yeah, how, how many years have I known Zach for? Like, maybe 10. Fair enough, yeah. You, you, have, you have incredible access. Yeah. Plus, we've been, we, I don't know if you... I don't think you were at Power Play because it's a bit out of your way, but like, we've been showing it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it any of the shows. I played it, um, like, last September, and then a little more in, in October, and I, have, I haven't played it in a couple of months, but, like, I've been, I've seen it. It's good. I like how it. Is it. How is it on mute with the sound off? How does it hold up? <laughs> ah, it's, I don't, I didn't, I don't think I played it with the sound off. Um, my favorite feature is the silly walk feature. I don't know oh, so good. When we were at Power Play, I was directing people towards that. So for anyone listening, there's there's a book that you can grab that is called How to Walk Stupid. And if you read it, then you know how to walk stupid and your character walks. The character's yeah, walk just, cycle with a bunch of stupid animations. Oh, it's so great. I like the and one you where you find your right way right. across the ground. Yeah, where you're like doing like the cross stroke. Yep. But on the earth. Incredible. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it. That was said that I played the first build that I got, and uh, because I'm a nerd, I went right to the bookshelf in my house instead of going on an adventure like everybody else who I've seen play this game does. You know, the smart way. Um, and once I once I read that book and uh, was doing this like goofy walk where like my ankles go like over like ear level, yep. you know, kind of like I'm trying to pedal one of those giant like wheel Victorian bicycles. That was when I was like, okay, a velocipede. 
This <laughs> <laughs> that was that was when I knew. I was like, okay, this game's yeah. This is this is yeah. this is for me. Yeah. I'm glad I'm here. I'll probably end up playing uh, where the water tastes like wine when that comes out. Oh, assuming it. I mean, assuming it comes out. Well, they keep saying it's 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 coming out on X and X day, but uh, I've learned to just hear that when developers tell me it's coming out on X and X day, and hear it'll come out when you're dead. Right. Um, and typically, that tends to be closer to the truth than whatever they tell me the first time. So, you know, fingers crossed to the grave, possibly. Yeah. But well, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I almost worked on that project very, very briefly. Wait, really? Yeah, um, at IndieCade, uh, Kellen and I were hanging out at a Sony event, and he was like, "Hey, this project I'm working on is looking for writers. Do you have like are you do you have any information? Like, do you is that a thing you might be interested in?" I was like, "Ah, I don't know. I, I would need to know more." And then they felt like they've got so many writers now. It like I, I ended up not working on it, but like there was a hot minute where I was almost involved with that. And you didn't just desperately like claw at his breast, like most he didn't tell me what the history. project was. He was <laughs> let me be clear. He was pretty drunk. <laughs> uh, a lot of people were pretty drunk at that party. Well, Sony knows how to throw a shindig. It I was will, a real, yeah, that. it was pretty good. But he was just like, "Yeah, I'm working on this project. I'll let you know, man." And he gave me his card. And he was like, <laughs> "All right, sweet." Yeah, and then I saw him at, at GDC, and I was like, "Hey, what about that project that you were doing?" He was like, "Oh, we we hired like 20 people." Sorry. <laughs> I was like, "I wasn't looking for a job. I just wanted to know how it turned out." <laughs> and he told me what it was, and I was like, "Oh, okay. I know what that project is." It was a good. It's, yeah, it's good to be careful in a setting like that because, for all you know, it could have been like. Hatred to Electric Boogaloo, and then <laughs> I don't think. He and then, I feel like he would not have been involved with that project. I, I like to think better, Alan. Like I like him a lot, but I mean, you know, desperate times yeah. is all I'm saying. He's a good artist. Game looks good. Oh my, oh my god, he's incredible. Yeah, it's like unfair. I get really mad at myself and at the world and everything around me when I see people who are good at visual art because if I'm any in any way talented at making bleeps and bloops at all, it's like directly inversely proportional to me being able to like make like draw anything on a napkin I'm sure you could, like, you could probably draw the some of the art for west of loathing right i <laughs> you think but i mean such is such is my aptitude like i right. i have I mean, literally I mean, disproved the existence of god with a sketch that i tried to do of a squirrel one time so it's <laughs> it is what it is you know that's what that's why i'm here that's why that's why i'm on the audio side but right? how so when you sit down to compose for one of these games, what what number one like what tools do you use? Like I'm presume I'm presuming you're not just using GarageBand, right? But I well kind of because you're just um, using GarageBand. Well, I'm using, what, I'm sort using... Of, what sort of tools do you use in your composition? Is is the real question? Like how much of it is real instruments? How much of it is synthesized? What like are there any specialized programs that you prefer? Paul, you do a lot of this sort of stuff too. Why don't you you probably know a better que- like version of this question? Uh, I, I mean, nailed it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like what what I do is bumble around in Photoshop for the most part. You, I've, I've listened to some of the music that you've made. That's not true. You put out some sweet tracks. Uh, you, you, do some, you do some DJ mixing of musics. I've, I have, I've, I haven't DJed in like years and uh 
ever since I upgraded to Windows 10, I haven't been able to uh, run my pirated copy of Ableton. So. Is that because it won't run it, or because Windows 10 just like killed your artistic ambition and you can't bring yourself to run it? Uh, win- so Windows, 10, w- Windows 10 actually killed my ability to run this program. Uh, I have to like go through 15 steps of trying different uh, compatibility settings, and uh, I- I- at some point it starts working, and it's it's never the same setting. Okay. Uh, so Hold you got until you remove MC as your description in your uh, Twitter profile. <laughs> I'm gonna keep believing that you regularly make music. Uh, li- listen, I I start. I found sheet music for some Undertale songs, and I've been trying to play music from sheet music, which I have not done in like five years or something like that. <laughs> so this is very difficult for me. Anyway, Ryan, back to this question. Back to the question that you started to ask, and then halfway through it went to Paul, and we're like, you know what I'm getting at, you do it. Right? That one? Yeah, that one. That one. Okay. Well, I mean, just to set the scene, like, I work from home, so, I mean, first of all, like, obviously, when I sit down to write, like, I'm bottomless. So, you know, a stool with a nice, like, velvet kind of, like, cover on top, something that's going to be very tactile is great. As for... Software. Um, when I said I kind of use GarageBand, what I mean is I use a program called Logic Pro, uh, which I love. And it's basically if you took the kind of interface of what you know and sort of the look of what GarageBand looks like and how it's operated, and cranked it up to a professional level. So added way, 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 way more features Literally and abilities. The tagline is Logic Pro X cranked up to X. So <laughs> right. So. Um, but that's what I mean. It's it's like in the GarageBand family, or more more accurately, I would say GarageBand is in the Logic family. But right. um, it it behaves in that same way, except on a professional level. So that's that's where I do most of my work. And then within Logic Pro, there's a you know I won't bore you with the whole list, but there's a whole ton of different kind of samplers, which are uh, for people who don't know, those are instruments that are playable since they're playable you know virtual instruments, but they're made by someone in a studio literally took this real instrument like a piano or a violin and did their best to kind of record every sound that it could make. So every note at every volume, every kind of weird harmonic if it can do them, finger slides if it's a guitar, stuff like that, and then translated it into a playable instrument that I can bumble through with my my keyboard even though that's not normally how you interact with that. So there's a lot of those, there's a lot of uh, purely you know digital instruments, a lot of like electronics and, and stuff. And then um, there's me whenever I can, whenever it fits, trying to use real life stuff as well. So I'm a pianist and uh, also a drummer. So whenever I can play those things and just record them in real life, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and especially right now, on uh, where the water tastes like wine, they want like a really folk kind of old timey American soundtrack for that. And we aren't quite in an age yet where sampled guitar or sampled banjo or any really any of the stuff you need for that sounds mm-hmm. not the worst and so uh, I'm working with <laughs> I'm working with a lot of uh, live performers right now and uh, it's it's really been it's been incredibly rewarding like it's crazy to hear this awful like MIDI mock-up that I've kind of done of what their parts should sound like and send it out to them and be like do your best and then have it, <laughs> like it's on you now and then have it come back and just be this like 
absolutely like disgustingly awesome sounding thing that is only a small part in due to what I may or may not have written and mostly due to them taking my MIDI garbage and going, okay, but what if this was good? Does that answer your does that answer yeah, your question? Sure. Yeah. So, so it's, so it's do a you, lot of stuff. Do you have like a, a set methodology for composing? Like when you when you get like get a project, for example, do you watch a bunch of the gameplay without sound first, or do you sort of like listen to a description of what they're looking for and write something and then tweak it to, as as you look at the software? What what does that creative process look like? Yeah, so I it's pretty standardized. Um, when I get signed on to a, to a game, I want to know literally everything I can find out about it. So that's interviewing the devs and like finding out what's the story of the game, if it has one, what's the what's the world like, you know, I want to know background stuff, I want to know what the gameplay is like, like what kind of vibe you're going for, is it goofy, is it dark, is it gritty, is it whatever. Um, I want to see like mock-ups of like level design, I want to see, you know, sketches and kind of like where the art is at. Um, anything I can get like is what I want because that helps me really piece together what the cohesive sound of the score is like because one thing that really scares me and I think is generally not a good idea is to start a game soundtrack and not have an idea what you want the overall sound to be because if you do that then it's going to even if every individual track is good it's going to sound disjointed and like they don't belong in the same universe and that's no bueno so that's always kind of my first baseline is to figure out like what is just in my head like kind of what what instruments are going to keep reappearing in the soundtrack to kind of cohesively hold it together like what's the stylistic things that are going to keep coming back like what is the overall I guess musical vibe of this thing uh, and then when it comes down to just writing stuff it's often the developer has a list of things they want like right now so I'll get started on those if they don't I usually like to do the kind of bigger stuff first, like if there's a main character, I want to do their theme first, or if there's a really important level or a moment in the game, I want to score that first and kind of use that as a high watermark to set everything else against, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also, and this is by far not the only way to do it, this is just me, but I'm also a really melodic composer, so I really want, when I write music, the thing that's really satisfying to me is a tune or melody that is just really catchy and engaging. Uh, if I can get people to hum or whistle something that I wrote later, uh, that's all I want. <laughs> and it took me a long time actually to be cool with that. Like I really felt like that was, I don't know, like after grad school, I felt like that it was lowbrow or something. Like I should want to push the boundaries of like what music can do and like, you know, be exploring like weird, like atonal, whatever. But it just, I wasn't happy. And so um, that tends to be how I write is, whatever I'm doing, I come up with like the main theme first, I'll go for a long block or something. Like if you ever are out and about, you see some jackass like humming to a, humming into a microphone, like at a bus stop, like it's probably me. And <laughs> <laughs> once I have the, uh, once I have the kind of main tune all the way composed throughout whatever track I'm working on, then I hang everything else off that. I'll get working on the bass, the drums, the kind of backing stuff. So, do you have like other composers or pieces of music that you sort of draw inspiration from regularly, or like I don't want to say like what music do you draw inspiration from, but like is but, that, you, but you just said it. No, so. but not, I don't. I don't mean it. Just like what what do you listen to? Like, are there certain styles that you find not? They don't necessarily need to be individuals, but like, do you find say like 
Baroque music to be something that you draw heavily from as opposed to... Okay, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to, like, if I was to say, and I know this isn't what you're saying, I don't have to do a classical style, but, like, I really like um, the Romantic era of classical stuff. So that's, like, Debussy, Chopin. They were all these guys who took all the really rigid structures of in Beethoven and Mozart's time, like, this is what classical music can be, and it can't be anything but this. And that was totally cool for, for, the, for those guys. But, you know, Debussy is like my dog because he was the first, one of the first like major composers to be like, yeah, but what if I just didn't follow the rules because rules are like lame and boring? Like, what if I did these chords that you say I can never put together? Like, why not? And he ended up writing this really awesome, like hauntingly beautiful, just weird stuff that still sounds great and still has, in many cases, not that this is the only thing that makes good music, but like hummable, like great melodies and, you know, really kind of evocative sections of it that you'll get stuck in your head. But he was not following the rules of what the establishment said was cool at the time. And I really like that. Um, as far as game stuff, like my ultimate, you know, I can be found on any platform, like extolling the virtues of the Katamari Damacy soundtrack. Like, I think it's the best thing musically that's ever happened right. to this universe um, and one of my favorite things about it and that I try to take inspiration from is I was just saying about that idea of having a cohesive kind of center to a soundtrack having it you know you want to do different stuff you don't want it to all sound the same but you want the entire collection of tracks as a whole to sound like they belong together mm-hmm. and the Katamari Damacy soundtrack is maybe the most diverse soundtrack I've ever heard you know, it's got, in all in one game, it's got, like, boys choir, it's got lounge jazz, it's got, like, weird Japanese rap, it's got electronica, it's got full orchestral pieces, it's got, like, so much different stuff, but it still all sounds somehow like it belongs in the same game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, but the whole game is about taking this clump of stuff that shouldn't stick together but does stick together and just rolling it up and making it bigger making this big awesome thing out of it. And that's exactly what the soundtrack is, like on this meta level. Like it's a bunch of stuff that shouldn't fit together, but it does, and it makes this great thing. And I'm always going to be down with any time music kind of functions on the meta level like that and like takes a look at what the game or the story is about. And on top of just scoring that stuff, find, finds a way to like make a statement or, or be that thing itself, if you know what I mean. Like I'm always really into that. So if you, you said you really like the romantic period of music. So did you, were you like super into that... Uh... Chopin video RPG video game. Uh, I think you're talking about Eternal Sonata. Yeah, that one. I know. Paul, I... you loved that, right? Oh, you're. Uh... <laughs> I, I think I, I think I've talked enough about Eternal Sonata on this podcast. Honestly. I just... <laughs> so one of my great shames is actually that I've never played it because I remember like you're okay. <laughs> if, if, you, if you if you play the first, you know. Maybe even 30 minutes of the game, you've played enough. I kind of, I, I might have to, though, because I'm in this weird space. I don't want to write off a whole genre, but I'm kind of burned out on JRPGs. Like, I'm tired of, like, weird esoteric things happening where, like, if you don't open, if you open this one treasure chest that looks just like every other treasure chest in the game and you have no reason to not open it, you can't get Kamari's ultimate weapon later because... Oh, go yeah, to hell. yeah. Like, but why? Like, why, though? Japanese if you open this, life. if you open this treasure chest that looks like every other treasure chest in the game, it will grow arms and eat you. Now that I'm down with. Huh? Like, somehow that's different for me. But 
Uh, also, their their teeth are fingers. I just figured that out. Oh, yeah, it's true. That's disgusting. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I haven't. So I think that's part of what kept me away from Eternal Sonata. Is like once I, I went on Wikipedia and just looked it up on a whim once, and I was like, "What do you mean? Like this game takes place in Chopin's mind? Like, are you for real? Like I was losing it, but I've never played it. It's and a really I'm, good idea that is not very well executed. It, it has a really amazing combat system that gets progressively worse as the game progresses because for some reason they decided that was the way they're going to make their game fun. <laughs> also, I would, have, I would have pointed their out... Their systems just evolve <laughs> the closer you get to the end. So I want to point out, according to Wikipedia, that uh, Debussy was part of the Impressionist period, not the Romantic period, as arbitrarily defined on this website, so... I'm imagining you pushing your heavily taped glasses like up your, yeah. the bridge of your nose right now. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, well, I okay. mean, you heard it first. I'm a sham, and yeah. I, no, I, I, I mean, also, I was <laughs> the dates that it gives for the Romantic period and the Impressionist period are the same, right? So <laughs> there were parallel periods that had nothing to do with each other. Yeah, I was like, Clearly. I don't, I'm, I'm skeptical, Wikipedia, of your uh, also citation needed. It's like the musical version of Crisis on Infinite Earths. There's just a lot of timelines that split and diverge at that point. I have a, th- I have a thing to uh, to mention to you once we're done recording about that. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, uh, we're, but we are actually coming up against uh, our two hours that I, I promised we would be done by. So, Paul, do you have any questions that you want to ask before we, we, ha- we wrap up? Like, what sort of equipment do you usually, like, have and use? So, kind of in, in addition to the, the software stuff that I mentioned. the other half. Yeah. <laughs> um... One of the things I'm always, like, I, I, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of composers who are starting out who have asked me for advice on how to kind of get started and how to get into this industry, because again, there's no, there's just, it's just a minefield, like there's no set way in. And one of the things that they always think they need is super crazy high-end, like, hardware, like I need this 5K, like Retina iMac, and yeah, I'm talking to you on one of those right now, but like, so what, like... Give me a minute, but um, I need these crazy big speakers. I need, I need, you know, I need all this stuff. I need racks of hardware decks and the whole thing. And when I was starting out, I had a like MacBook that was already like four years old and was just rapidly disintegrating every day. Um, my desk was a microwave cart, and uh, my friend, who's also an amazing composer who now writes for the show Steven Universe, came over one day. And was like, oh, cool, I have the same one. I was like, oh, that makes me feel a lot better. Like, phew, I was feeling really hungry. I was just like, well, I mean, my microwave's on it. And I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> I, I <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> crushed it. And I had a pair of $5, like, J-Bud headphones, which are, um, newsflash, not great for mixing on or hearing with or, or really doing anything that headphones are supposed to do. So I don't have that stuff now. But back then, my point was going to be that that was what I had to work with. I got the contract for gunpoint, and I was like, oh, I have to make this sound like I know what I'm doing. And so uh, I suffered through my bad laptop with all the crashes and restart that needed to happen. I listened to all of my mixes on every piece of equipment I could find in the house that would play audio. So on my phone, on through my Xbox, on the TV, uh, in my car through the speakers there so that I could get enough of a different kind of by piecing together different speakers that just exist in my universe I could kind of get a mix that made sense to me and then thus mix it that way um, 
and I guess what I'm trying to get at is that uh, while I'm working with some much nicer stuff than that now, uh, it's really important for people who want to get into audio to realize that like you don't the music needs to come first. You don't need to have like all this crazy equipment. You there's ways to get around it and still make audio that's great. Like if you literally have GarageBand and like the mic that's just built in to the screen of your laptop, like you've got enough to get started. Um, like right now I have a full size like digital piano that is also functions as my MIDI controller. So it's what I play all my synths with. And it's also when I need piano, that's, that's what I actually play on. I have some decent sized monitors. I have a computer that doesn't crash when I'm trying to like run Spotify. And those things are nice <laughs> for sure. Like they make my workflow easier, but, um, you can you can do it with literally if you have a computer and your DAW, which is your digital audio workstation. That's like my and mine is Logic Pro, but there's a bunch of them. Uh, Paul mentioned using a bootleg <laughs> copy of Ableton, like that's another one. So if you if you have that and a way to get audio into it and make audio come out of it, then you've got enough to get started. All right. Well, I guess uh, we should probably wrap this up. All right. Um, if people wanted to find you online, where would they find your stuff, Ryan? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Ryan Ike Composer because I'm a big stupid idiot and didn't understand how Twitter worked when I got onto it and just thought name plus job equals Twitter handle. Um, and now here we are. So it's too late to change it. And then uh, I'm also on, most of my music is on SoundCloud, which is just soundcloud.com slash Ryan Ike or search for me like in the search bar there and you'll... Right. You see a picture of a cartoony-looking robot playing the piano. You found me. Now you just need to get onto SoundClown. <laughs> SoundClown is where just, all the big bucks are at. It's the horrifying, like ICP version of SoundCloud that it gets raw. <laughs> yeah, I will say that. Uh, Paul, if people wanted to find us, where would they do that? You can uh, find us at redpagespodcast.com. We've got a sweet contact form that I personally put a lot of work into it that you should definitely use. Uh, alternatively, you can uh, find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, iTunes, Google Play, thing. Stitcher. We're on Stitcher. Uh, are we? Yeah. I, 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 what what the heck is a, what, what is a Stitcher? Stitcher is an I, iTunes podcast alternative. Okay. It's the bleeding edge of podcasting. We're 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 on we're on, uh, on Stitcher. <laughs> yeah, apparently, uh, and uh, yeah, you, you can contact us at uh, is it just contact yeah, at redpagespodcast dot com? Yeah, yeah, we've got a much better email now. Yes. Which is, yeah. Uh, Are you guys on Podcast Alley? No. No. Then I I'm. I guess we're not that cool. I'm embarrassed to have been here. I, I sort of was led to believe this was a professional outfit. It is a professional outfit. We are making money from this podcast every time we put one out, right? This podcast it's, and it's all of the other podcasts that we record are brought to you uh, by our generous backers on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash redpagespodcast. Uh, thank you to those guys. And no thank yous to all of you freeloaders who listen to this without backing us. And how? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, we, scrubs. We love you too. Just please, please, we love please you very us. slightly less. Um, but you, you, that slight incremental difference in love can be bought. It's true. It's, it's true. They say money, yeah. uh, money can't buy me love, but it, it can it buy them sure love from you. Yeah. No. Um. 
I guess that's it for us. We should probably. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Uh, super, super ultimate final question, uh, which oh, right. is uh, right. Our most Ryan. important question. Yeah. What was your favorite cheese? Uh man, I know it's lowbrow, but I gotta go pepper jack. That's an acceptable choice. Solid answer. It's not. At least you didn't say American. <laughs> well, we've, we've had we've had a reputable people say American. That's before. true. So, I like, mean, like who? I want a I want a McCarthy esque list of people who said American. Someday you'll be able to go to redpagespodcast.com slash cheese and look at the entire <laughs> game developer spreadsheet of who said what cheese. But that Wait, is can I, live. Can I do an honorable mention? I'm sorry, I'm a cheese, but sure. there's a there's a place in Pike Market in Seattle called Beecher's that's like a famous local cheese. And you literally just watch them make it in like a big industrial like vat that looks like the kind of thing you would like give horses a bath in. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it is magical. It's like the Lembus bread equivalent. Okay. But for cheese, like it, it sustains you. It's good on everything. It's good on things that cheese shouldn't go with. Uh-huh. I tried. I tried it with peanut butter. That should have been disgusting. It was awesome. So honorable mention as a regional thing, Beecher's. On the whole, Pepper Jack because I'm a trailer slash garbage cheese, person. Cheese from Pike. What is what is dairy may never die. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably say goodbye. <laughs> All right, let's let's, let's let's go. All right, uh, let's get out of here. Bye, everybody. Oh. oh okay, so you're actually Kevin Spacey saying it, it, yeah, it I mean, continues to work i mean my life is like a teetering house of cards right, we should, we should... uh that hasn't fallen over yet and i'm just gonna keep doing this until it crumbles around me <laughs> right I'm like, i like it uh, good I, I i haven't had a mercy kill a dog yet thankfully but you know give but you time. have uh, murdered a uh, u.s senator <laughs> I mean, you know, West Coast politics being what it is. <laughs>